Welcome to The Climate Imperative, the podcast that dives deep into the actions and strategies of influential leaders in business and government as they tackle the pressing issues of climate change. Your hosts, Charlie and Michael, bring with them decades of technology and customer journey experience at companies like HP, Citrix, Sage, and Yahoo, and will bring you guests that want to share ideas for a more sustainable and resilient world. Let's go. Kopu isn't merely a beverage. It's an invitation to luxury. Partners and co-founders, husband and wife team, Justin and Mindy, shared a vision to create an extraordinary brand. Their inspiration? The natural beauty of our world and a profound commitment to sustainability. And so, Kopu was born. Justin and Mindy understand the importance of preserving our environment for future generations. It's not just a mission for them, it's a way of life. From responsible sourcing practices to groundbreaking recycling programs, Kopu walks the talk when it comes to reducing their ecological footprint. Stay tuned as we dive deeper into the world of Kopu Water, where Justin will share his insights, experiences, and what makes Kopu an exceptional brand, and how they've teamed up with renowned partners in the food and beverage and hospitality industries to deliver sparkling and spring water that complements the finest dining experiences to elevate moments of connection. And welcome, Justin. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for for having me on, Michael, uh, and also Charlie. You know, I'm really excited to uh, to to be you know on this podcast with you, and you know what you what you guys are doing is a great thing. So, really happy to be part of it. Right so, on. Justin, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how Kopu began? Absolutely. Um, so, I'm a Kiwi from New Zealand, and uh, but I'm an American immigrant. I came to the States back in 1999 in September. It's funny, I went out to dinner and I noticed something a little strange. And, you know, when you go out to dinner in New Zealand, you're served New Zealand branded bottled waters. I came here from Europe. I'd lived four years in Europe. And, you know, when you're in France, you're served French bottled waters at restaurants. You've served Italian bottled waters in Italy. But here in America, I'm like, wait, This is a country that is resource rich with gorgeous mountains, gushing springs, naturally alkaline, amazing taste. What's going on here? And so I thought, you know what? There's a real opportunity. Uh, And that's really was what sort of christened the idea. Uh, And then it took, you know, another 16 years or so to meet my wife and uh, the rest is history. So that's how it kind of came about. It just yada 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 the entire history of it. It was and yada yada yada. We have a company, <laughs> and you have a company called Kopu. Uh, can you tell us what's behind the name? So Kopu, uh, in the Maori language of New Zealand, means Venus. It means you know the the rising star that that twinkling uh, inspiration. And so we decided to you know, bring a little bit of, of where I'm from in terms of, you know, naming it and, and really what the, the mission is and speaks to that. Oh, I absolutely love that. It is really about something shining, something rising, something coming up. And that's how what you are aligning with, with the brand and, and how you're positioning it. Yeah, something that is that is inspirational. And, I, you know, back in, you know, those ancient times, they were also using, you know, stars for navigation yeah. and, you know, just very important parts of nature. 
and you know what we stand for our mission really is nurturing you know nurturing nature both you know our own health you know the health of you know diners and guests of hotels as well as consumers as well as the health of the earth so you know that kopu the the morning star venus is uh, is, is a great symbol for that were you working on developing Kopu uh, prior to meeting your wife or was it you had the inspiration? It was something you've always wanted to do and she really was the catalyst for kicking it off. Mindy was absolutely the catalyst. And when I met Mindy, uh, you know, she's a huge sparkling water fan. Uh, she is an avid environmentalist you know, really, really authentically cares about nature, animals. And, uh, you know, when I was, when I brought it up, I think, you know, this would be a great thing for us to to do together, to partner. She said, you know, I love it. We need to make sure that, you know, authentic sustainability is the backbone of this, you know, and not you know, not carbon offsets, right? And that kind of thing, like super authentic, grassroots, honest stewardship of the earth. And so that's what she was absolutely a catalyst for that. Over that time period, the industry really went from what you described, what you were seeing back in the late 90s, which is, you know, the, the French brand, the Italian brand, the, the brand from New Zealand, which is what you found on the tables, which we're all familiar with. And then it turned into the brands you would find in the store, right? It became more than just Perrier on the shelves, right? It became Lacroix and it became Waterloo and it became this and became that. But your brand is different, right? Your brand yeah. feels refined. Your brand is aligned with higher end organizations. Can you talk a little bit about the industry, the the size, the growth, something people may not realize about the industry that you're in and sort of how you kind of shoehorned, um, you know, a, a niche out for yourself and, and the growth there. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a great question, Michael. I mean, you know, when we when we looked at, you know, the, the water opportunity and, you know, you walk down the aisle of Whole Foods or, you know, a more even a more conventional supermarket, there are a lot of brands there. You know, so we decided to really almost exclusively focus on the hospitality segment of the market. And in that hospitality segment, you basically find only three brands. You find the Nestle brands, which are San Pellegrino and Aquapana, uh, and the Danone brand, which is Evian. So when you walk into a restaurant, whether you are in New York City, Los Angeles, or Spokane, Washington, you know, when you go into a restaurant, it's one of those three brands almost exclusively that is sold there. As part of our, our, our work to identify, you know, a way to do something that was authentically sustainable, we looked at packaging materials you know, it's really shocking. And, and you asked, you know, for something that not many people know about, but only 10 states in America recycle glass. It's crazy because, you know, there, there, there has been kind of an idea that packaging and glass in, is sustainable when it's just not. Almost every single single-use glass bottle goes to landfills. And 
you can hide it in places like California. You know, you can dig into the side of a mountain, but the most of America is flat. And, you know, we live right now in Florida. You drive along the 95, every 30 to 40 minutes, you see these mountains of trash and they try to disguise it. They grow grass on the side, but you know, it's uh, they keep growing. And the last thing we want when our kids are our age is double the number of mountains or twice as high. So we saw going back to the segment in hospitality, not only is glass almost not ever being recycled, but it is really insane that they're bottling water in Europe. They're transporting this water thousands of miles across the world. And within 48 hours of consumption, you know, I would say probably about a third of the weight, the mass of that product and the size of it goes straight into a landfill. And so we identified hospitality as primed for, you know, a disruption. And that's where our conversation, when we, when we caught up a few weeks ago, you told me about one of the initiatives that your company is currently running, uh, your stewardship program. Can you tell the audience uh, about that? So a very interesting data point for aluminum is that uh, 75% of all aluminum ever created in history is still in use today, you know, versus other materials that, you know, very tiny percentage. And the reason for that is that it's valuable. When Mindy and I made the decision to move to Florida, uh, we brought on a very large hotel client here. You know, it was time for us to build out Kopu on the Eastern Seaboard. What we, what we found was that almost no restaurants and hotels recycle. So it doesn't matter if you have something that is recyclable, it's meaningless because it's not going to be recycled. And so we thought, you know what? Why don't we become that recycling service and make it complimentary for our clients? Now, aluminum is valuable. Scrap aluminum is $1,200 a ton. Glass has got negative value, negative $20 a ton, which is why it's not recycled. It's not gold, it's not platinum, right? But at the same time, it subsidizes the distribution. So rather than having vehicles which go out to our clients full and leave empty, we were like, you know what? Why don't our vehicles arrive full and leave full and then our vehicles at the end of that delivery day go to a scrapyard partner sell it to them right now the good thing about scrapyard partners versus recyclers is that scrapyard partners need to sell that then to make a living so it completes the circularity guaranteed so that's what we did so we started up the copa aluminum stewardship program Q4 of last year. It's building beautifully. So some of our clients have now reached 85% capture rate, and which is amazing. And for one of our clients, they gave us, you know, their landfill numbers and how much Kopu eliminated, you know, the landfill. And so we have a Ritz-Carlton uh, hotel uh, client of ours in Miami. Over the period of 52 weeks, they eliminated 
52 tons of glass bottle landfill waste by basically replacing um, the European glass bottles uh, with COPU. Huge win for them, for us. Obviously, they're not paying for all of the, those tonnage, right, to be taken to a landfill as well. That was what blew my mind when we talked is that's one partner in one state that yeah. you're partnered with. So the potential for scale is really amazing. And yeah, it, it just seems to me, it's like, why why isn't more of this being done? But the thing that really, I think, frustrates me personally, because you know I, I have a, a son as well, and I think about his future, is when you start talking about things like 10 states, 10 states, you know, really focus on recycling and, you know, the other 40, you know, it's just kind of a, it is what it is. And that, that kind of lackadaisical attitude, especially in the days that we are in right now with understanding the impact we're having on the ecosystems around us with trash, there are so many more efficient ways to do things, but even when things are being done inefficiently, by the time it gets to a state that isn't really focused on recycling, it just feels wholly irresponsible, right? Yeah, yeah. And honestly, even even states that are focused on recycling, you know, it's hard. Like, for example, glass. When you take glass bottles, you have to manually sort brown glass from green glass, from clear glass, from blue glass. Someone's got to go in there and manually separate it. On top of that, if any of that is broken, it's not recyclable. So, you know, there's just a lot of very difficult challenges for that kind of material. The no-brainer is to say, you know what? We're going to use logic here. There's no reason why this has got to be glass. Let's do something in a material that we know is more than likely in our case, guaranteed to be recycled, but let's do it in a way that's beautiful, right? Let's create alluring graphics and branding. Let's put award-winning tasting water into these bottles. Like let's let's put let let's check all the boxes. And so that's what you know we have been very focused on with Kopu. And it's been resonating. You know, our clients range from Amman to Ritz-Carlton, to Four Seasons, to Hyatt, Hilton, Belmont, Rosewood, as well as amazing restaurants across the country. Richard Sandoval, you know, the most prolific global Mexican chef with, I think, close to 85 properties across the country, collected Copa uh, as, as the water for his North American properties. The uh, the bottles are beautiful. I mean, they really are stunning. The the design and the aesthetic, and I, I can imagine actually holding the bottle is is quite pleasant it's a beautiful experience actually the product is incredible could you share some of the major obstacles your company encountered and how you navigated through them the major obstacle really is perception and trust you know within the, the market that we entered bottled water is typically the exclusive brand that's served you know, there's just logistical and functional reasons for that. You know, hotels, restaurants don't want to have multiple brands of water. So it's typically exclusive. And so there is concern that if you have a product that comes in and there are complaints or there are issues 
and yet there's been all of this onboarding and it's gone into all of the outlets. That is not a good situation to be in for these hotels, these restaurants that are used to serving, you know, fairly discerning customers and guests. And so navigating through that, and it's taken years, right? It's taken years that Mindy and I have did this. We started off in Santa Barbara. We started, you know, with cafes. Then we moved, you know, to some independent restaurants. You know, we got our first big break with uh, with a Ritz-Carlton in Santa Barbara. He put us into one of the outlets. It was a huge success. So then it was expanded beyond those outlets. And now it's expanded nationwide. But, you know, it's there's got to be the tenacity, the strategy, the hyper-focus on quality. Uh, and then nurturing what you have and growing it from there. So that's that was the biggest challenge and just doing that and doing it consistently over years. Charlie had just mentioned the beautiful design. What led to that design? What led to that design was, you know, we, you know, there's there's been a lot of serendipity. You know, we met a, you know, a luxury skincare designer based in downtown Los Angeles she was incredible. You know, she put three designs to us. The first design just absolutely captured, you know, what arguably had already manifested within Mindy and I, you know, we, we, we wanted to create something that felt very clean, something that, you know, really symbolized both the, the purity of the product and, you know, the, the nature of the value proposition as well. One of the things that, you know, you had touched upon back when, you know, you're talking about some of the initiatives that you have going on. I remember seeing a post, uh, was there a Kopu dress in a fashion show earlier in the summer or late in the spring? What What was that about? So, uh, so we were approached by Miami Swim Week and Miami Swim Week is the number one fashion week that centers around swimwear. And, you know, we have got great client base throughout South Florida. The owner uh, of Miami Swimmings came across Kopu and approached Mindy and said, hey, you know, we would love you to participate, you know, in this. And then we were also approached by, a, you know, a leading um, haute couture uh, fashion designer called Emma Saval, who just has, you know, the most creative inspiring beautiful both not just swimwear but also you know other you know um apparel as as well and you know emma started talking with mindy and you know there was an instant connection in terms of you know her mission and our mission and you know even though you know we're in very different industries there was that connected tissue that that formed very quickly and so emma was like i would like to create a line i'd like to create a dress and there was also you know some swimsuit elements as well and we would very much like you to participate at miami swim week and fashion show and probably about 100 photographers there and video cameras and emma just did an absolutely incredible job of creating that and again manifesting what we were doing in, in the form of a dress. And Mo, the owner of Miami Swim Week, was amazing as well. So, you know, we like to partner with like-minded organizations. And that was awesome. We also just 
partnered with uh, James Beard Foundation. Uh, we had a dinner wow. in Miami and the CEO, Claire Reichenbach, flew in. And, you know, again, you know, we share these values of, of, of culinary excellence and, you know, authentic stewardship and sustainability. Charlie, we got to start hanging out with Justin. <laughs> Come to Miami, Michael. I've actually never been to Miami, I must say. So I do want to go over there at some point, definitely. What other market trends or consumer preferences have you observed that have provided opportunities for Kopu in your brand? You know, I think I generally see, you know, a heightened importance of wellness where, you know, people are really paying attention to, you know, what's being ingested, you know, into their bodies. You know, I don't know, I think it's like 85% of our bodies is made of water. And so, you know, having, you know, those nutrients, you know, and Kopu is packed full of calcium, magnesium, potassium. It's also rich in natural occurring silica, which is a, a building block uh, of collagen. So, you know, just the general wellness trend has been, you know, an exciting complement, I think, to what we're doing as well as sustainability. So that would be, you know, that would be a big one for sure. You mentioned earlier, award-winning taste. How does your your product differentiate itself in terms of the origin? Talk a little bit about that, that award uh, and sort of, you know, how that ties into some of the things you're working on today. Absolutely. So, you know, we source our water from the Cascades of Oregon, that being said, we also believe in a regionalized strategy. You know, we believe in the absolute best tasting water from the region of where you live or you're traveling. Um, and so, you know, what we look for is, you know, an exceptionally smooth taste to the water, as well as the, you know, the, the mineral content. And, you know, it's not just us that believes that we have great tasting water. There's an Academy Awards of bottled water called the Berkeley Springs International Water Tasting. And they have water masters and water sommeliers from, you know, across the world that fly in. It's a blind taste test. And, you know, similar to wine, right? There's like a check card and it's about, you know, the smell. It's about the aftertaste. It's about the texture and the scoring of all of that. We were very happy to learn that Kopu Sparkling in this blind taste test with all the brands that very well known was judged in the top three best tasting in the world. That's amazing. Pretty fun. And, you know, a lot of that has got to do with the tiny, fine, millions of tiny, fine champagne-like bubbles. You know, we've had some great experiences. I, I'll never forget one where I was at the bar of one of our hotel clients. And I was talking to the general manager and this lady came up to the two of us and she said, and she pointed to the, the 12 ounce sparkling bottle that I had in my hand. She was like, oh, that sparkling water, my friend from France, she just had that. And she said, that's the best tasting sparkling water she's ever had in her life. And the general manager looked at me. He was like, did you just put her up to this? And I'm like, no, no, nothing to do with me. So that was a that was a great, you know, anecdotal, you know, endorsement of the quality of the product as well. That's what I love doing this, Charlie. You learn so many things. I didn't know that there was an Academy Awards of H2O and sommeliers, effectively sommeliers. And I mean, do they have to go to school like somebody would for tasting? There are, there are classes. Yeah. There wow. are some institutions that do it for sure. What is next for you guys in terms of innovation, either around your product, new product lines, uh, sustainability, 
taking your stewardship program further beyond reach. What's what's coming on the horizon here? Yeah, I mean, you know, with 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 landing, you know, these first national restaurant group deals, you know, it means expanding, you know, with more critical mass in, in major markets ranging from, you know, we're now in New York, we're in Philly, we're in DC, we're in Denver, we're in places like Snowmass and Aspen, California, Seattle. So we've got great distribution to really maximize the impact. You know, we're, we're building our business, we're getting the word out. So really it's about, you know, executing over these next few years. And, you know, we have the opportunity to have a really, really huge impact and uh, we're making it happen. You mentioned about five minutes ago, and we're going to wrap here in a second, but I want to do something. You, you said that you used the word manifest. And so when we were, you were talking about the dress uh, for swim week, that is the picture that I saw and the post that I saw that led us to hear talking with you today and sharing what it is you're doing and sharing your brand with our, our audience. And so I'm a big believer in putting stuff out into the universe to see who's listening, right? Yep. And people that coalesce around the initiatives that we're discussing today are going to take an interest and possibly reach out to you, reach out to me, reach out to Charlie, and we love just being connectors. So one of the things that we were talking about pre-show that the audience doesn't know about unless we put a clip in is we were talking about Formula One. Yep. Huge initiative for net zero by 2030. We're talking about Formula E, which is also a, a, a great race series that's electric. And one of the things that is very important in the world of Formula One is they've got hospitality suites, they've got paddocks, they've got vendors. I mean, it really is an outing and they have 300,000 people showing up to some of these weekends. So they're, they have a lot of work to do. And one of the things that I think would be interesting is if Kopu became the brand along with the stewardship program of a Formula One calendar yeah. to make sure that when those 300,000 people show up to a race, it's not just stuff going into a landfill around the world. I'm into that, Michael. Yeah. All right. I mean, well, we'll see. Yeah. The head of partnerships is uh, is listening and we can uh, we can go ahead and put you in touch and get something. As long as Charlie and I get get some uh, get some tickets to uh, to the paddock, we'll be happy. And you will also be gloriously hydrated. Perfect. Justin, Excellent. thank you so much for your time. We loved hearing your story and some of the things that you guys are working on. And yeah, we're huge fans. Uh, and we're we're very excited to share this with our audience. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for everything you're doing, not just for us, but the other, you know, disruptors, right, that are making things happen. You guys are doing, you know, an important job. And so... Very grateful. Thank you very much, Justin. So we'll leave it there. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. To learn more about today's guest, we'll include all links in the show notes. This episode was made possible by Riviera AI, a sustainability data company that puts all of your ESG and net zero data into one screen. To learn more about Riviera AI, visit www.riviera.ai. Until next time, thank you for joining us on The Climate Imperative.